We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. Alex Hurst, Mick Martin and Norman Riley here for tonight uh, to preview Newcastle United versus Crystal Palace at St. James's Park this Saturday. Catch uh, Sai, who's not with us tonight, has got his match preview online now, True Faith website, so get a look at that. Um, he's predicting a 3-0 win, which I think we'd all be happy with. Uh, we've got loads to talk about, particularly regarding the sale or potential sale of the football club, which is probably the story dominating the, the football media at the moment. Um, Norman, first of all, though, because we didn't get the chance to speak to you on Sunday, uh, good day on the South Coast? Brilliant, yeah, absolutely fantastic day. Um uh, obviously the performance I I was really impressed um, watching it live obviously you know you get a different perspective watching it on TV so um, you lads on the pod discussed a few things that I hadn't really given any any kind of consideration to but um, overall I thought we played really well and in the goals was well, just down to I mean just down to sort of bad luck really um, you know and, and I suppose I suppose overall I thought we I thought we deserved the we deserved the win but even at, even at the final whistle we were to hear it um right we'll, we'll 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 get straight down to business mick uh story broke yesterday or the day before i can't remember mike ashley and his his team had spent the day with sky sports preparing a story which suggested that the club is now up for sale with a lower asking price and he wants the deal done by christmas how much truth do you think is there in that statement Want to buy it? 
don't believe that at all. I think that is just so much in if that that is so much what Ashley would like. So he could or he could start an auction of the club and, and maximise the price. But I just don't believe that there are people out there who want to buy the club all of a sudden. I don't believe that these disclosure agreements or anything to, there's anything to them. I don't believe they have much integrity to them, to be honest. From what I can gather, the business that um, Amanda Stavely is representing haven't signed a disclosure agreement, but I do think that the businesses or the people that she's representing are the most substantial. Um, I don't think there is any interest other than her. So, um, if there's if there's no interest other than her, do you think this is purely a, a PR move on his part to try and force their hand? Perhaps what, what I'm I'm not sure where to go with. It. I mean, you, you've got August. Well, in late August, Mike actually appeared after the Spurs game on telly, saying that he was going to be here for a while. Is the only thing that's changed it, her going to the Liverpool game, for example, or is there more happening behind the scenes? Do you think to make Ashley want rid of the club? If indeed he does, right. Listen. Mike Ashley went on the telly at the end of August, blah, blah, blah. Um, ignore that. All of those words are rubbish, right? So, so you cannot, you've got to suspend all reality when the, when the guy talks. So that was, I'm going to be here for a long time, blah, blah, blah. And then two months later, um, the club's up for sale. So that's clearly a big shift. You know, two years ago, after Jonas scored the, uh, you know, his heroic uh, goal against... Um, against uh, West Ham to keep us up. It was all about how he wasn't going to leave until he won something. So that's all out down the toilet now as well. So um, prior, we're going to invest in a training academy, blah, blah, blah. You could just pay the man no heed whatsoever. <laughs> so all, judge him on what he does, not what he says. That's the, that's the, that's the main thing. So it is without a doubt that, that um, uh, Keith Bishop has been on manoeuvres and is putting the word out here and there about different things, etc. So he's got a fantastic relationship with Sky. He seems to have a pretty good relationship with TalkSport. He has people seem to be talking him up now about how he's actually been a good owner, <laughs> Simon Jordan, you know, uh, and, and others who hitherto have been provided absolutely no commentary on life at Newcastle United or have any connection with us whatsoever are now chipping in with their two penitents. So, you know, I would suspect, I would suspect that that is the hand of Keith Bishop moving in the background. I would suspect that's, you know, all of this is linked to Bishop turning up at the press conferences when we have a media department of our own. Um, though I'd be interested to see how much the club's been invoiced for his services. This is why Barnes was at the club in the summer. Um, etc, etc, etc so this hasn't happened uh, between uh, now and August this has been on the boil for quite some time and it is it is only in the last few months last two or three months that it's got on the radar of um, scumbags like me uh, and others so, um, so my, my advice is take absolutely no notice of what he says in terms of how much the price is, how urgent he wants to sell it, and why he wants to sell it, etc., etc., and just rely on what the man has done since he's been here. Nothing he has done will be for the benefit of Newcastle United. Everything will be for the benefit of Mike Ashley. And the benefit of Mike Ashley in the first instance is to get the maximum price for the football club, regardless of what comes after it. And I suspect he will want to retain value in the club thereafter as well. And by value, I mean references to whatever he's done, deals he's done with the merchandise, which has been completely opaque. We don't know what's happening with NUFC Direct, really. But you can have a guess if you, um, you know, travel back through what he did at Rangers. So, you know, there's a very, very powerful article on the website at the moment from uh, Craig Houston from the Sons of Scruth and have a, I'd recommend everybody to have a read of that to gain some kind of understanding of how the man operates and then the second second thing is I would I would like I would like I would think 
that Ashley will want to retain the values that he's always got out of the club, which is um, uh, the club being a platform for global advertising for his businesses, not only Sports Direct, but many, many more of his businesses. And I would guess he wants to retain an interest in that as well. So buyer beware on that score, because that is it. those two things, the merchandising and the advertising, is exactly what he's done at Rangers. And I don't see this particular method changing his spots in that regard. Mick, do you, do you believe that he is actively seeking a buyer for the club? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do. I, I, I think um, I think that I think he wants out, uh, and the reason he wants out is that I think he doesn't think he can increase the club's um, value any further than what it is without significant investment. I also think that he is afraid that of his own incompetence, because if we go down again, it will cost even more to get back up, given. And the direction of TV deals and all the rest of it. So I think he's. Um, I think this is the. I think this is the max. The point at which he can probably extract the maximum value and money from the club. Fair enough. And Norman, to bring you in, we often used to get told under previous managers uh, who weren't up to the standard of the current manager to be careful what you wish for, well, you know, despite relegation. It's actually a year to the day since Barnsley away last year. I can't believe how time flies. Uh, sat in the Mega Bingo car park last year after we'd been refused entry into the Mega Bingo for not being members. <laughs> uh, it's the only place to get a pint because Barnsley is practically all home fans only. I can't honestly, time flies, but if you looked at where we were last year, if you'd have said it was that night in Barnsley, I believe we went top of the league for the first time this time last year. Norwich were up there and um, you know we're fast forward 12 months since it's been alright hasn't it from a football perspective ignore the summer the transfer window and all that we won the league job done it was a, it was fun in the end um, and then we've had a, a good start of the season a, a competent start of the season which I think all Newcastle fans are happy with but Norman um, be careful what you wish for, for with Mike Ashley and anything to say on that? Um, no no in, in terms of be careful what you wish for I would be Jumping for joy if um, he sold the club. I mean, obviously, if he sold the club to a brutal autocratic dictator with an incredibly bad human rights record, then there might be an argument against it. But then again, you know, Sports Direct are, are pretty much up there with your, you know, some of your worst, uh, some of your worst <laughs> regimes. I'm only kidding there, by the way, for anyone listening. <laughs> um, but um, sorry, Keith. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll be very. I mean. The thing with Ashley and everything uh, Mick said there, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, I, I can't disagree with any because ultimately his history in Newcastle has just been one of same one thing, doing another, same one thing, doing another. It's just, it's just been on repeat. And, and, um, and I, I've, I've said this before, but he, the, the way that he does it, he, just, he, he seems to keep everyone in this constant state of confusion. Everything that's going along nice and smoothly, and then he just throws something out there to, to throw everyone again. And I don't know what, 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 whether it's a, it's a tactic just to keep people on their feet and to keep people going when you know when, when things have gone bad. Um, always, I suppose when things were going really bad, i.e. the relegations or when the team was struggling and apart, you, these kind of rumours come out, oh, we want to get rid of the club. And, and I suppose to a certain extent, it, it, keeps, it almost keeps people on their toes and, it, it, and it, it puts the hope back in them when things are looking, looking down. And so people just keep going back and going back. And, and as Mick says, um, Mike Ashley's always looking after Mike Ashley. And uh, as much as you might want to sell the club, I mean, you know, if it happens, or, or if it happens, fantastic. But I won't believe it anything until you know the ink's dried on the on the sales deed, one hundred percent. I'm I'm trying, and in all truth, I'm trying to just not even not even think about it, and not even kind of interact with it on social media because um, it just ends up winding you up unbelievably. I'm gonna just keep keep focusing on on, on Rafa, keep focusing on the team, and. Whatever happens, regardless, Ashley, then it happens when it does. One of the big um, lies in the media or amongst the support or amongst the you know wider media, your talk sports and your um, people that make mention their Sky Sports is that is that it's it's difficult to sell Newcastle United or there's you know there's there would be no interest or there's o it's only a difficult club to sell because of the the money that might actually the the fee that there is if it was sensibly priced, which four hundred million is is not. A sensible price. People who know far more than the likes of me, who who are you know Chris Holt on Twitter, I'd advise people to give him a follow. 
Um, we look at, the, for example, the sale of Southampton recently, or 80% of the Southampton shares. A, I believe that deal took a year to do, a year. B, the cost of 80% of Southampton is, is far less than 100% of Newcastle. And although Newcastle, in my opinion, are a far bigger club than Southampton, um, Southampton are a stable Premier League club with years, you know, a great, a great youth academy. They basically have all the things that Mike Ashley's Newcastle don't have. Um, so this this price, Mick, like what, what do you think that Mike Ashley will definitely not walk away without recovering all of his investments or is it not as simple as that? Um, I think now the value of football clubs has increased so much and, you know, the, that he's, there's considerable equity in the club now to cover the debts that he's got. Um, debts that he's doubled in his time through his own incompetence and um, uh, obviously through the two the two relegations. So, um, whatever the club's worth, it's worth, you know. So, if the club's worth 320 million quid and Ashley gets to clear all the debt and makes a, a you know, profit of about 20, 25 million quid, then fine, great, that's good. It needs to be a clean break and a complete break. And um, and he's and he's complete history, you know. Um, what worries me is the terms of the sale, in terms of the merchandising and the and the sponsorship and all the rest of it, because nobody decent wants to put a name next to Sports Direct uh, because of everything that it entails. So um, so that that's the that's the deal that's that's got to be done. And so I'm not going to get into the into the value of the club because um, we don't know what the future income streams are, what they're likely to be, etc, etc. So, um, but there's considerable potential because on every um, revenue channel over the last 10 years or the TV, which has had absolutely nothing to do in terms of negotiating, uh, the club has uh, gone backwards. So, the amount of money we take on the gate has gone down substantially. The um, the amount of corporate that we take has massively retrenched. Merchandising has retrenched. So all of those are areas for growth. They're the smallest areas. But we don't know what's going to happen with... I mean, I cannot conceive of, um, you know, different platforms being developed to consume football and blah, blah, blah. Just when you think they kind of get it, the Premier League kind of get any bigger... It takes another quantum leap, so um, you know that's 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 all kind of in the in the ether. So you know people will pay what will come to a final price at what they will think is the correct price for the club, which gives them a, a reasonable um, opportunity to, to expand the value and and all the revenue streams, etc. Going going forward. Um, and Ashley will want to have a piece of that as well before it gets out. But again, watch for the rotten fish that gets left under the floorboard with this bloke, you know, because um, this letter doesn't change its spots and he will shaft, he will attempt to shaft Newcastle United just as, he, just as he did with Rangers, you know. But one of the things I want to, well, several of the things I want to talk about is not the value of the club and all of that kind of stuff. I just want to talk about the um, the potential of Newcastle United because um, you look at the club that um, shaped Manchester people bought at Man City. That club that the um, that the people that Manchester bought at City isn't comparable to what Newcastle United is now. It's been damaged by actually two relegations and only one top-half finish in the last 10, 10 years, uh, and, you know, no cup runs to, to speak of. That has, that has damaged the Newcastle United name and status, no question about that. But as a club, we are a better bet to buy right now than what Man City were prior to um, Sheikh Mansour coming in. We are the only club, Premier League club, north of Burnley. And south of the Tweed, obviously, not taking into account Scottish football. So our potential catchment area is enormous. Sunderland and Middlesbrough are not getting back into the Premier League anytime soon. That is plainly obvious, unless something mass happens out of left field, etc., etc. So the catchment area for us is enormous. You know, and you know, Premier League football is massive across the world. 
And we have a huge supporters base in our region. We are pulling in 52,000 to watch a team hopefully stay in the Premier League. This is unprecedented. Our support, our match board support, can be grown in the region. The, the commercial side, the business side, all of that can be grown. And the support can be grown outside of the northeast and outside of this country as well. So we need to think in those terms. The club has a strong identity. We are the club of the North, right? So we we are the club that can dominate our region. We got we are the club that will represent football north of the Scotch of, of Scotch Corner, right? So we are that we are that we are that club. The potential is absolutely enormous. The stadium is fantastic. We're a city centre location. All of that is just marvellous, right? So the club is ready for takeoff. The correct people running the club who know what they're doing will be able to say all of that. And our club can be everything anybody wants it to be, providing they have the expertise and the resources to get it to get it there. But it's a no-brainer if you want to buy an English football club at the right price, buy Newcastle United. It's just screaming for it. All of the other clubs, the big clubs that you would think about, they're all taken. They're all, they're all, and, you know, if you, people talk about buying Liverpool and blah, blah, blah. Liverpool cost about a good 700 million quid more than, than us to buy because of the history and the existing size where they're at. Buying Newcastle United, it's value for money. Well said. Also, throw into that a world class manager uh, already at the Absolutely. club who has the. Absolutely. The passion and the, the love of the the city. Um, it is it is just geared for for absolute success. Um, Mick, do you, it's it, it's impossible to predict the future. How do you how do you see this turning out? I, I find it very unlikely that the club will be sold before Christmas. I'd love to be wrong. Um, you, you don't believe it will be? No. Um, well, um, I'm a, I'm an optimist. Some people might not believe that, given <laughs> you know the stuff that I've written over the last ten years with Ashley etc. Perhaps even longer. I am an optimist. I keep, I continue to believe in the club. I, 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 we don't know. We don't even know who's behind uh, Amanda Stavely. You know, so we we can't get too excited. We we don't know that, um, and we don't know the money and the commitment that there is there. So that's that's a that's a guesstimate. But this is a serious individual. She's not going to rock up to two football matches at St James's Park and allow herself to be seen allow herself to be filmed on camera and, and meet people behind the scenes after after football matches just because she's a publicist. Who is she publicising? Is she publicising herself? You know, well that's that's just not her style. She's a real person, you know, she's a she's a substantial person. So, you know, she's not some daffy on the making turkey with biscuits and stuff <laughs> like that, you know. She is not she is a real she's a real person. She would not be making these approaches if there wasn't an end game in her mind. For me, the whole thing does have to be done by Christmas because we need a new board, we need a new direction in before January so statements of intent can be made. And I mean, by that I mean um, players bought for Rafa in January. I should have been bought in the, sum, in the summer, but who knows, we might be able to, to um, you know, ramp up in terms of the quality of player that we bring in. So uh, will it happen? Who can say it? Nobody can nobody can nobody can say that, but I certainly hope it can. And I think the me take on it is is that the pressure should all be on Ashley to sell. And I and I think supporters should be ready to I'd love to be to be in a position to be able to say on this podcast we all need to pull together and we all really need to be ready in January to say, you sell, sell up and go. You offer nothing for the future. You have nothing to offer the supporters. And if you don't go, we'll empty the stands. I, I really do think we need to be in that position. But whether, whether we are or we not, I don't know. And it's probably a bit of a leap to go that far at the moment, given that we don't even know who's behind Amanda Stacey. Fair enough. Um, is there anything else, mate, you want to cover on this this issue that you think we've missed? No, no. I think um, I think there's there's a there's a lot of rubbish being spoken. There's a lot of clickbait on. It's clickbait heaven for some. 
for some journalists. Their view is, is to make opinion, their advice to people out there is be, be very discerning about the news that you consume. Yeah, that's good advice. Uh, Mick, are you staying with us for the rest of the show? If you like me to, Yeah, will, of course, yeah. of course. Let's move it on. Norman, we'll play Crystal Palace this weekend. In, in, I mean, every game is a big game in the Premier League, and this has always been one that we've looked forward to as a as a potential bank. Obviously, Crystal Palace lost their first seven Premier League games without uh, without um, conceding a goal. I, I can't remember. Someone said to me, I hate forgetting, but it was quite funny on Sky that because it was Pardew and because it was Souness who Crystal Palace managed to break both records, both records were held by Newcastle, for the worst Premier League stop, but they weren't able to say that just because Sunas and Pardew are on the payroll at uh, Sky Sports, which could, obviously we couldn't be embarrassing those lads. But um, how do you see it going, going Norman? Are you, you'll be travelling up from London. Uh, are you confident of three points? Um, well, I'm confident of three points because we're at home and we're playing against the side that is bottom of the Uh, I think I can't disagree with you much there at all. Um, I th- it's really interesting for me in terms of how we're set up. I said before the Stoke game that it would be interesting to see who who assumed the kind of team that would dominate the ball because Stoke had played the majority of their games so far and allowed the opposition to have the ball. And would the senior Castle as a newly promoted team uh, who like to play without the ball and would they be brave enough to kind of let us come on to them and Stoke as it turned out had the vast majority of possession it was everything we'd hoped for because that's what we are we're good we're good without the ball um, in the Premier League we only win games we've only won games this season or taken points from games where the opposition have far more possession than us so regarding this weekend Palace in the position they're in we spoke to a Palace guest who will be on after us later um, he spoke very well and he said it's, it, this is a really important game for Palace it's a big game for Newcastle it's a bigger game for Palace because because of the start we've had we can afford a slip but it wouldn't be nice it would be terrible but you know it wouldn't be the end of the world the season wouldn't be over if we failed to win this game or or even lost it um, however for Palace Palace need to prove to themselves and their fans that they're not a terrible team and by that I mean if you remember when Steve McLaren would beat Spurs but we all knew we were still rubbish we beat Liverpool the week before that. Everyone knew that everyone knew we were never out the woods despite those results because watching the team week in, week out, we knew the team had many flaws and was, was a very poor side. If Palace go and beat Chelsea, because it's Chelsea, like it was Spurs for us, like it was Liverpool, if Palace go and beat Chelsea and then lose to Newcastle, whatever we think of Newcastle, um, it, it really does suggest that they are really, really in the shit this season. And although promotion promotion is the aim for uh, Roy, not promotion, uh, survival is the aim for for Roy Hodgson only, I think the fact that if we were to win this game 
and go, what, uh, they've got three. We would have 14 points, I believe. To go 11 points ahead of Southampton with, um, with you know, basically a quarter of the season gone, that would be a big, big gap for them to, to be able to pull back, regardless of how it went after that. So from that perspective, I can really see it. That's why it's such a big game for both sides. Palace can't afford to be 11 points behind the likes of Newcastle at this stage of the season, uh, who they would presumably see as a bottom half rival. Uh, so, you know, looking forward on that perspective. Um, Mick, you, you presumably obviously have watched the game at Southampton at the weekend. Uh, how, how do you see this one going? Um, I think it's a different type of game um, to the to the to the one on Sunday and what other games we've played, um, and I think this is a, a more varied kind of uh, menu of football that we're getting this season. I was thought you know last season more, most of the teams we played were, were the same kind of style, weren't they? You know they were big, athletic, maybe had one decent player up front and put us under pressure. With the with the exception of Fulham, who I thought were probably one of the best footballing teams we've seen in a while at St James's, um, so this one's a strange one because I think the crowd, our crowd, will be looking at the table and thinking we should do these. That you know, that they're, they're not great, um, but they, they flickered back into life in a big way last weekend, didn't they? With that uh, amazing result over Chelsea. Um, so my view is is that I really don't know what to expect. Like you say, I think we play a lot of games without the ball, and um, and you know Rafa realizes the the, de- the hand that he's been dealt in terms of the players that he has at his disposal. Um, we, he has better defensive players than he does uh, attacking players, as I can say it. So that's the that's our strength, isn't it? In terms of how he's organised the back line and and all the rest of it. So I think it. Uh, you know, you mentioned Zaha and Townsend playing up front, so clearly there's lots of pace there. Um, and those two are good players, no doubt about it. Um, so I think it'll be a strange game. I think it'll be a very technical game in terms of how... I, I'm expecting to see Rafa telling players where to stand on the pitch, you know, how he does that. Um, I think there'll be a, 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 lot, of, a lot of that. Um, we lack firepower. We know, that, we know that in terms of what we've got up top. Um, so... In terms of what to expect, something different. Um, in terms of what we'll get, well, I think we'll just have to wait and see. I, I, it's been very difficult to, to forecast that. Absolutely, Norman. You said before we went on there that you were you considered, uh, or you thought Rafa might consider, not that you picked the team, um, changing the centre backs because of Palace's pace up front. Do you want to explain that a little bit more? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's I mean, obviously. You know, Palace aren't going to release the team like three days before the before the match. But if if Hodgson, who you know, as, as we mentioned, is a pragmatic manager, you get you do get the impression that Hodgson, if he's if he's had that success against Chelsea, he may well go out and play um, the, the the same front pairing against us. And I think if if that's the case, then I, for me, there's a, there's an argument to put him and Bember in a centre half just because just because of the way that. Townsend, especially Townsend, Zaha. I mean, Zaha is an incredibly gifted footballer, and now that he's played up front, there's actually part of me thinks that it's a role that he could excel in. Um, whereas Townsend is—he's almost like a wild. He's almost like a wild card. Um, he is one absolutely one hundred percent a winger, but he is—he can't be unplayable when he wants to be. If he's—if he's kind of getting in the the, the the back forward and using using that pace, then I think there's a there's a good show to get Mbemba in there just because Mbemba's just because not because because Mbemba's quick and athletic and I think he'd be able to he'd be able to keep pace with Townsend and kind of read him maybe a little bit better than uh, the other options who are excellent centre halves in my opinion but the you know the, the big lads and I think I think they might struggle a bit more against them against their Townsend's pace um, but obviously you know Palace do have um, they do have Sacco there was it. I think it's a he's a, a centre forward, isn't he? He's very um, not sat with a centre half. I've got, I think the kid SAK, or um, and he, he's a he's a big lad. Now if he's playing, obviously you'd want probably the cells in Lascelles and Clark, or Lascelles and um, Lejeune. But if uh, if Hodgson sticks to what he what he's done against Chelsea, then yeah, I, I feel that I feel that Mbemba will be a, will be a good shout. But um, I'm I'm not certain that Rafa's listening to this. So whether my advice is uh, as heated as it is another matter, you know. <laughs> um... Mick, the 
Rafa swung a bit of a surprise um, by selecting Hayden on Sunday, and he obviously re- he rewarded that faith with a cracking goal and a good performance. Um, how do you how do you see him going in terms of the middle this week? I mean, Palace playing four four two against our you know four four two three one or, or however you want to set it up. Do you think it's it's the game for Hayden, or do you think it could be Shelby and Marino like we saw against Liverpool? Shelby Marino um, in terms of uh, uh, mainly because I was so encouraged by the work by um, Shelby's work rate and uh, you know the last time we saw him at St James's Park so you know sometimes he's been accused of being a bit lazy uh, he's a supremely talented footballer like is John Joe but um, I think he was you know you know there was a lot of attention paid on him in by pundits after the game, quite intelligent analysis actually, and you know, showing his work rate, etc. So it'll be they will have to win the ball in the middle of the park. They could play three. Uh, they could play the three of them in the middle of the park, and they could play Atsu and or Richie, you know, or just one of them. They could play four Perez deep. I don't know, you know. So uh, what I what I do know, what I get the sense of is, is like kind of when I see the Rafa team. Uh, line up. I kind of understand why he's done it. So if you look at the fullback positions, you know he, when he, when we played Stoke, he played um, Mbemba at left back. And when you saw the size of the Stoke players, you thought, yeah, that works. And then when you saw us play Liverpool, he played Manquillo and Yedlin, two you know quite I would say probably lightweight fullbacks, wouldn't you? Yeah. And then and that looked right. So what you what you've got to kind of think about is. It's that rapper I've really been thinking about this for a long, long time. And um, and I, I just get the sense, like, kind of, when I see what he's done and I look at the opposition, I kind of get it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I kind of I kind of get it. And I'm not I'm not going to kind of say, this is my team, rapper. You know, uh, pick my team for Saturday because, basically, I'm an arsehole <laughs> and he's the ex-manager of Real Madrid, Valencia, Inter Milan. Liverpool and kind of knows what he's doing ahead of uh, ahead of somebody like me and has been coaching the the um, the players all week. Knows who's been training well, knows who hasn't been, knows who might have half a knock, who's got this kind of knock, blah blah blah. So um, he he senses is kind of with these team selections is to uh, is to leave it until the day. And when I see the teams lined up and I see the first five ten minutes of the game, kind of understand why he's done what he's done. Definitely, Norman. This is the uh, the second fixture in a, a little mini run of games before the next international break, which consisted of Southampton, good away point, Palace at home, Burnley away, Bournemouth at home. We'll have a tricky uh, Christmas period with the likes of Man City, um, Everton, Arsenal, Chelsea, um, you know, and and other clubs. Obviously, do you think this is kind of the key part of the season now or not? It's, there's only three more games, but surely we'll have to pick up a couple of wins in these uh, in these next three. Or do you think you know what we're going to be competitive in every game we play across the season? There's no need to panic if they if they don't go to plan. Um, I, I don't think there's any need to panic if they don't go to plan. Um, first, first of all, I think I think they will go to plan. Um, I think uh, the, these next three games, uh, you know, I can see us getting. I would consider five points to be to be a good conversion. I mean, five points would be would be three games unbeaten as well. So on a on a kind of confident confident psychological level, that's really good. Obviously, six points would be a defeat in there as well. But that's it's still six points. Um, I've got no no kind of um, no worries. And even even if things do go wrong, then the games that we have coming up against the you know the, the top of the table side, given that it's Rafa Benitez in charge of the club, and given who he's pitting himself against I don't think that you know it's going to be like in the past where we'd maybe pick up one win in five or maybe a couple of draws if we were lucky I think regardless of what we're against we're going to be exceptionally competitive and I wouldn't be shocked to see us get a couple a couple of really good results and that is purely down to the fact that these are these games against people like Guardiola um, against people like Mourinho Rafael already be planning it. They'll already, already have plans afoot. So I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not overly concerned at all. I'm, I'm confident we'll do well in these next few games. But if we don't, it's not gonna, it's not gonna sort of reverse my thinking that in that we're gonna pick up, we're comfortably gonna pick up enough points to have a, to have a good first season back in the Premier League. Um, and with regards to the game on Saturday, one thing I will say is that I'm, I'm 
looking forward to um, seeing Richie play because it's likely that he's going to be up against Van Arnhold. It was just about... <laughs> Go on, sorry. Really? Sorry, sorry, Alex. Oh, no, I was literally... That was my next question for you, so I'm pleased you brought it up. I was going to say Palace looked really weak at fullback with Ward and, uh, yeah, and then yeah. Van Arnhold. Ward, Ward, I don't know much about Ward, but obviously, I mean, if you look at him historically, he is, he is, he is an attacking fullback, but Van Arnhold is... I mean, he's got a great goal-scoring record for a fullback, and he's obviously very good at getting forward, but defensively, he's just... I mean, he's, he's, he's natural position... Is is an attacking wing back really, and Hodgson is playing four four two, which is pretty much you know it's it's what he's done uh, most of his coaching career. Um, he had a bit of an experiment with England, and that didn't go too well. Um, but with Richie up against Van Arnold, just the, the sheer amount of work that, that Richie puts in, and Van Arnold Van Arnold does push forward. Like, I think we're going to get. I think we can see ourselves getting quite a lot of joy down there. Um, so I'm, I'm really really looking forward to that, and I think that's definitely somewhere that we can we can exploit. I mean. They're pretty tight in the centre midfield. You've got you've got MacArthur there who will who puts in who puts in a shift. But then again, Marino and Shelby up against MacArthur and Kabai, you've got to you've still got to be fairly confident that we're we're going to get some joy there, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think last week uh, MacArthur played right wing in uh, ah. Milovovic or whatever he's called. I, I can't remember his name exactly. Was kind is kind of the holding player alongside Kabai, but. Mick, uh, we're, we're coming to the end of the show. I suppose we'll have to have a little word about where, where former players are. What kind of Townsend uh, reception do you think Andros Townsend will get, if any, from the St James's crowd? Um, I've got nothing against the lad, to be honest. You know, I mean, he made a decision that he wanted to leave because he wanted to play in the Premier League, and he hadn't been with us very long. You know, so you know, you know, it's not like he'd been with us for donkeys here. So I've got no, I've got no kind of beef with him personally. I, I might, I might. Alone in that, you know, um, but it's not a, you know, I don't always don't go with the flow to be honest. But so him, I think, um, you know, he, he was only here about a month, really, wasn't he? So um, let him get on with it. I would, I would have had him back. Um, if the, if we, if we, if we'd been able to bring him back last January, I wouldn't have had a problem with that at all. Um, Kabai is a slightly different one, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of. He was sold Newcastle United on the basis that he'd get a move to a, a so-called bigger club if he did well here. So he came in and, and that's what he wanted. That's you know Newcastle was set up as a stepping stone, so he used it. He used it in that way. I'm kind of I'm a bit long in the tooth now to get upset about players who move on. You know that's the that's the nature of the beast. I'm afraid. Yeah, and you have you have to look at everything from another perspective. If if Townsend stayed, we might not have had Matt Ritchie, who's been an excellent player and it's uh, doubtful yeah. that Townsend probably yeah. could have lived up to the standards he set himself um, yeah. Kabai would have been there before he's been back before there's, so there's nothing new there um, I think Rory Hodgson has a, a good record at St James's Park I know his Fulham teams were, were good and uh, his West Brom team did well up here um, winning 3-2 in fact I remember uh, a few seasons ago and they, they again they played very deep and played us on the break so it'll be interesting to see how that goes but what we're going to do now, I'm going to leave you with uh, my chat with um, Robert Waller, who's the Crystal Palace digital club writer, and he also covers Palace for the Croydon Advertiser. He'll give us the lowdown on everything from a Crystal Palace perspective, an excellent guest as always. Uh, so thank you to Norman and Mick for joining us. We'll be back with you probably Sunday. Um, it's Sai's birthday on Saturday, so depending on how that goes, uh, hopefully Sunday afternoon if I can get all the lads out of bed, we'll be back hopefully discussing the win over Palace. Um, I have a season review planned of the 90... Norman, is it the 87-88 season? Have you been revising? 88-89. I don't need to revise. It's in a part of my brain that could probably be put better use, but it's just worth it. That should be out. That's Mark Corby's joining with that one. That should be out uh, starting next week or middle of next week as well. Um, so anyone who was around or even wasn't around like myself, I, I'm just looking forward to hearing how terrible Newcastle were <laughs> uh, for a change. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back with you soon. Robert, then we may as well start with what on earth the weekend just gone um, outstanding. What on earth has gone wrong with Crystal Palace this season? Um, I think it's been a mixture of things. Uh, it, it didn't work. The fact that Bob obviously came in the summer, and it was a combination of him trying to change the style of play for Palace and not really having the, the players to suit that style. I think it quite quickly became apparent that it, it wasn't the 
people I think that are going to be Chelsea at home given how you know, they've been playing and the results they've had up to that point but in fairness to them they, they, they turned up on Saturday they played well yeah, the fans are right behind them and yeah I think they're hoping it's the, the start of the recovery almost given how bad it's been yeah, I, I presume, I don't know what the, the pre-season expectations were, but I presume the, the only aim now is survival, or do you think maybe it's a little bit too early to talk like that? No, I think it, it, it has to be survival now, you know, the start they've had, you can't really think beyond that at the moment. I think at the, at the start of the season they were talking about wanting to push on to that next level and become, you know, the fifth season of the Premier League, they want to become an established Premier League side they won't be challenging for the top half. They flirted sort of with the relegation places in, in most of those seasons that they've been in the top flight. And it's, it would take a, a, a you know, giant strides forward to get that top half position. But I think they've got the players that are capable to get them out of trouble. There's no doubt about that. I think you know, a lot of people, if you looked at their squad on paper, would say they shouldn't be bottom of the league. But given how bad they started, they can't really look beyond survival right now. And, Fair enough, and not only obviously did they lose a lot of games, there were no goals scored before Saturday. Do you think, have you seen enough from Hodgson so far since he took over to think that he's addressed, or at least addressing a lot of the problems he inherited from De Boer? Uh, I think it's still early to say. I mean, there were signs on Saturday that, you know, the organisation was there, they worked hard, and that's what you kind of expect from a, from a Roy Hodgson team. Maybe you look at down the years when he's been at similar clubs like Fulham and West Brom, that was sort of the hallmark of those sides. They were hard-working, they, they ground out results when they needed to. And I think that's what you'll see with Palace under Roy Hodgson. I think he's, he's very limited in what he can do up front because with Christian Benteke out injured at the moment, you know, the weekend he played Wilfred Zaha and Andrew Townsend up front and that worked but they haven't got a recognised out-and-out striker to go and fill, fill that gap left by, okay. by Venteke. So I think it, it's difficult that he's not, he's not always going to... Yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy for him to, to, to be a quick fix, but I think there were signs on Saturday that certainly they were, you know, it was going in the right direction. Yeah, and you just mentioned one player that I wanted to ask you about. You know, you've got two Newcastle um, old boys, two players who were... Excellent for Newcastle uh, in their stays here. Uh, one was here longer than the other, but Johan uh, Kabai and Andros Townsend, are they are they still crucial first-team players for Palace, or the fan favourites? Yeah, I mean, Johan Kabai, both of them, to be fair, Kabai and Townsend, there has, has been some speculation over the summer, back in January as well, about whether they were yeah, moving away, whether there were other clubs interested, and obviously Newcastle were, were one of those that were linked with Townsend for a return for him, but they've been first choice under De Boer and Hodgson. You know, they're, they're, they're both important players for Palace. I wouldn't say that they're the talisman, you know, in either of them, but they're, they're certainly key for Palace in what they do. I think that Andrew Townsend, certainly the way he played on Saturday, I mean, he was he was one of the, the standout performers for them. It's no surprise really for me that he worked so well with Wilfred Zaha and, and we've seen that last season that he was much better when Wilfred Zaha was in the side I think it gave him a bit more freedom he was playing on the opposite wing at that point and yeah it's, it's certainly a case that both of them will be starting it on Saturday and obviously they'll, they'll both have their uh, well it, it'll be interesting to see how, how the fans react to both of them I suppose up at Newcastle I think that they're They've not got a point to prove. I think both of them did well when they were up at Newcastle, but certainly they're, they're now focused on Palace and you know, they want to get Palace out of the trouble they're in. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll probably both get a reception, but um, realistically, uh, as you say, they're, uh, they were very good. Partic I would say particularly um, Townsend, when he was here, he really endeared himself to the fans with his work rate and his, uh, his kind of embrace uh, of the of the team in the area, so yeah, will be interesting. Um, to Crystal Palace fans, do you think, and, and well, Roy Hodgson that extends to, do you think that they're, they're targeting three points in this one, or will it be a, a point be a good result for Palace to keep their unbeaten revival going? I think it's important they get something. Uh, I don't know that they're 
they'd obviously like to go and win the game and off the back of the result on Saturday that would continue the momentum from, from that I think the important thing for them is they've got to make sure that wasn't a one-off they've got to continue to get something on Saturday and, and make sure that they you know pick up points whether it is a point or all three I think a point would be acceptable to them away from home you know, they haven't they haven't scored a goal away from home this season obviously as you said they haven't scored a goal until Saturday or season in the league so I think they've got to get something just to make sure that it doesn't fall flat again because there is that danger you know that people will if, if they were to lose on Saturday and it was a, a flat performance I think people would sort of start saying oh well was it just a one-off against Chelsea because Chelsea the champions they were in town they've got to go got James Park and make sure that they put on a performance I think if they put on a performance and get come away with a you know draw the fans would be happy with that and I'm sure Roy Hodgson would, would be as well obviously they'd all like to go and, and get all three points and uh, suppose um, my last question would be oh, sorry Robert um, how do you think it'll go personally I think it's going to be a tight game I, I don't see it being high scoring I think Palace will probably try and ease their way into it if that makes sense they'll, they'll probably try and get the you know, quiet in the crowd down in the first few you know 20-30 minutes because I, I wonder with obviously the, the, the news that's broken this week up in the North East I wonder what the reaction will be from the, the Newcastle supporters because they might be you know in, in good spirits the, the, the fact that I suppose a bit of optimism about what might happen in the future with uh, reports obviously that, that Mike Ashley is looking to sell the club I mean I, I wonder how that might impact on Newcastle's own performance on, on the weekend and it might be that there's a you know a, a sort of a positive atmosphere for, for the for Newcastle at home there and that might be something that Palace has to deal with in the first 20-30 minutes I think and if they can if they can go in and quieten the crowd down early on then I don't think there's any doubt they could get something out of the game personally I, I think it will be a draw I, I see it being one all. I think both teams will score but I think Palace will be happy to come away with a point and I think they will get that Nice one, Robert. Thanks so much for your time, mate. No problem.